Welcome once again to Checking In. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. We have a great episode in store for you today. You do not want to miss it. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us here at Checking In. Now let's introduce our hosts, Leon Thomas and Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. Hello, Miranda, how are you? You're muted. Rookie mistake. That's the first time that I've done it on our podcast and hopefully the last, knock on wood. Good to see you both. Good to see you as well. You all have a great show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Arm Miranda. What's happening? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Got Everything's it. good. I'm excited to be here with you and our listeners, and I'm super excited about our guest. Yeah, we're going to have a, a great conversation. And listen to, to our listeners. You can watch it on video, right? So you can go to YouTube. You can watch it right here on LinkedIn or any other social media platform. But you can also search for the audio portion via many podcast platforms. So we're we're there as well. So, Miranda, listen, this is what, episode, what's our number? Where are we now? Eight? Episode, eight. okay, uh, like, that sounds good. Let's, let's go I with eight. Count. <laughs> I know, I know, and we have so many more, so many more planned. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email Miranda at her email address is going to show up right on the screen. Miranda, what's your email address? How do folks get in touch with you? M-K-I-T-T-E-R-L at F-I-U dot E-D-U, or you can Google Miranda Kitterlin Lynch and you'll find me. All right. And you can contact me again, Leon Thomas. My email address is leonthetrainer at gmail.com. So Miranda, you mentioned we have another great show lined up with an outstanding guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest and let's get the conversation started. Absolutely. Absolutely. So our guest is Dr. James Williams. He and I have been uh, friends for many, many years. We've done a lot of really cool research together, a lot of really great presentations. He is a professor. He is a published author. He is former military, and we thank him for his service. And he is also an actor. I can't think of anything that he hasn't done, to be honest. Right on. Sounds like he's done it all. (laughs) So let's bring Dr. James Arthur Williams on, James Arthur Williams, and let's talk to him. Dr. Williams, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Your energy already is just uh, contagious. So I'm excited to be here and be in this atmosphere. So thank you. Right on. Thanks. For, is, what's, what's that orange? And that there's an orange logo like right, right there. That's uh... So this is, uh, look, I'm looking at the camera. This is University of Tennessee. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, we're ranked third in the nation in football. We're ranked high in all of our sports, but academically we, we are sound too. But I know a lot of people like to look at the sports. So we're the University of Tennessee, UTK Knoxville, the real UT, I should say. The real. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Now you, we just lost a ton of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, look, we, we can tell them to come from Texas and come to Tennessee. We still have no state tax too. So it's all good. I love yeah. it. I love it. Right on. 
So I was telling Leon a little bit about, about all of your accomplishments. Um, I'm wondering if I left anything out. You recently started um, kind of a new journey at University of Tennessee. Can you tell our listeners what it is that you're doing there? Yeah, so I'm, right now I'm the director of university honors. And basically what we do is we have one uh, very selective program called the Haslam Scholars, but we also have four other programs. We have um, Chancellor Scholars 1794, and we have Honors Leadership. So basically what I do is try to make sure students come in, they are coming in with a transactional experience, they want to get a return on their investment, but I want to make sure that I'm giving them a transformational experience so that they really understand a more holistic approach to education. So that's what I try to do. That's fantastic. And I'm sure you are killing it at what you're doing. Um, you and I have studied leadership for many years together. And I, I truly admire your approaches and your perspectives. And um, just you definitely helped me to grow over the years. Um, tell me, so we, we talk a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. In your opinion and experience, how have you seen this play out in leadership? Has it changed any? I would like to say it has. I think just my personal opinion, I see a lot of performative efforts, you know, to where people want to say that they're a part of DEI. But what does that really mean? You know, and I, I'll give you a prime example. A lot of times we say we're looking for minority students. OK. And I say, well, what type of minority students? We have intersectionality at play. And they say, well, we just want to make sure that we're having black students. I said, but you got to realize there's a culture within a culture. I said I had a, a very different experience compared to what my daughter had. I'm from something that they call the projects or the ghetto to where there wasn't a lot of people coming to recruit me for my academics in my environment. And I was one of those students that would have needed a little bit of help and additional resources to get in college. So a lot of students that we tend to recruit or that I see a lot of recruiting going into, and this is just looking at academia, they're recruiting students that have extremely high GPAs that happen to be black students. Well, those students are going to be fine anyway. But what about students that's on the cusp? You know, that's a 2.7, 2.8 that may not be your average GPA that you're accepting into your program, or you're creating opportunities for those individuals. What about students from um, low-income white students from rural areas? Are you creating opportunities for them as well? To me, that's when I think you have a truly diverse population and not have you know one thought, I mean, uh, uh, just one uh, thought perspective, I should say. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you you talk about those, those two uh, examples that you gave. I went to a private all boys Catholic high school, right? And and there are some folks that see me and they say, oh, well, probably when you were growing up, your family had to struggle, your family this. They, they don't know. They are assuming that I went to a public school and they're assuming that my father wasn't in my life and, and you know, all of those stereotypes, okay? But the other thing that I, I recently experienced, I run a racquetball program, a youth racquetball program. You can find out about it by going to racquetballrevival.com. And I have folks that watch our kids play racquetball and they use the term inner city. Oh, it's great. You're doing something for inner city kids. And sometimes I challenge them and go, what do you mean by inner city kids? And they go, well, you know, black kids and i go well see the kid over there on court one he's white but he does live in the city um and he needs the same help that that some of the other other students do and so when it comes to recruiting and, and all that it was so good to hear you say that 
um, that there's such a, a wide, vast, there's a range of diversity. And even when it comes to our business in the, the hospitality industry, right, even when we look at diversity, how about diversity in guest, diversity in management company, owners group, all those things too. So what have you seen in that, in that arena, along with what you talked about in admissions? But what about at the business level? What have you seen there, Dr. Williams? So I, I've seen, it's, it's funny that you say that. So I have a colleague, uh, Dr. Stephanie Benjamin. And she does a lot where it's like um, she does a lot of qualitative research where she's looking at photographs and marketing. And she would say that these marketing materials are not inclusive. You know, so if I go to certain areas, do I see images or portrayals of people like me? You know, we may have the the term they like to use, the polished black individual. But what about the one with the tattoos, the jewelry? You know, do we have advertisements for those individuals or those individuals that we're saying, well, we don't really want that requirement here. So I think once again, it's a lot of performative initiatives. I think this, too. And, and this is a problem that I see in hospitality and lodging and tourism in general. A lot of times when you look at a lot of black individuals or low income white individuals or people in general that are working these jobs, we don't really see it as a career when we go into it. We're looking at it as a way to make some quick money. It's a quick service opportunity. So we don't see the career opportunities in it. So we're we're failing to really recruit people that's coming from this different subculture or this different part of our, our environment to get them excited about hospitality and tourism. So when they go to college, they may say, well, I want to give back. So they look at criminal justice or you know other majors like that to help out education but they don't look for opportunities and careers in hospitality and tourism management. So I think when you don't have people that's coming in mid-level management, executive level management that can speak to that perspective and you're losing these individuals at the grassroots level, I don't think you have somebody that's really clearly seeing how do we market to these individuals and how can we see them as value? So I think that's what's being missing. I think that's a fantastic point. Absolutely. And I think, um, there's a lot to be said for lack of representation. That's something Leon and I have written about and spoken about a lot. Um, I want to jump back to Leon. When you described your experience, it is the exact opposite of my experience. So I grew up below, well, I was born to a single mother below the poverty line in rural Louisiana. Um, I've got tattoos. <laughs> um, so, and James, you and I have talked a lot about this Um the struggle of being low income, the struggle of being of color, of being a woman, et cetera. And I believe it was a conversation I had with you that made me actually click when it came to the term white privilege, right? So uh, I believe you and I were volleying back and forth. Well, I was poor. No, I was poor. Well, I'm black. I'm a woman. Uh, and then I think you said to me, but perhaps not verbatim, but have you ever been afraid that the police were going to kill you? And I was just like, oh, that's it. That's, I get it. I get it. So I, I wonder, is, do you want to share anything about that? Or do you want to speak on that? Yeah. And, and I would say, so this is a conversation that we have. And I know some people may be offended by what I'm going to say, but I say we have this whole idea of social constructs. You know, when you start thinking about the word white and black, black was actually introduced first about 1620. And they had to find a term to really, um, stigmatized individuals that came from Af Africa to really create this, this uh, disassociation of them as being humans. And then about 1670, white came about to show that one is inferior, one is superior. So black has a negative connotation to it. And I say I identify with being black, but my color is brown. I said, but when you look at these, they was created with a positive and negative connotation. 
So we get caught up in these social constructs and these ideas of the way that we're supposed to be. And people tend to see that. So when you see individuals that come from certain environments, if they're black or if they're white, you tend to give you they police sometimes may give white people a little bit more grace. Whereas with black individuals, because of this this negative nature that's associated with slavery and um, demonizing black males, particular, they're strong, they're aggressive. They rape this rapist culture. So they tend to react a little bit more and don't give us as much grace. So the fear that I or somebody may have as a black person when they've been pulled over, let me make sure that I have all of my my license, my insurance card out and all of these things and don't move that much. Could be the same way that a woman feel when she leave a club at night. I never think about if somebody is going to kidnap me or take me or things of that nature. But I had a conversation with one of my female colleagues that said every night she worried about that. Is somebody going to put something in her drink? So I try to empathize with different cultures and see where they're coming from. But that's the difference between the privilege. And I think it's kind of, you know, when um, Kanye West and Candace Owens came out with White Lives Matter, they kind of put you in this, this provocative stance of, well, yeah, their lives do matter. But it also puts you into the sense of their lives always matter, though. And that is the difference. So really trying to understand what is the difference when we're looking at diversity, equity and inclusion. You know, equity is trying to make sure that everybody is playing on the same level playing field, you know, and they're having the same opportunities for success. But you're not just making things equal. And I think that's kind of my my overall abstract thought process on that. That that was very well put. Very well put. Thank you. Um, You mentioned. um, Pardon me. You mentioned that. uh, Shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Leon, if you want to jump in on something. All right. I'll tell you what. My name is Leon Thomas. That's Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. We're here with Dr. James Arthur Williams, a professor at the University of Tennessee, the real University of Tennessee, University of Tennessee at at Knoxville. And we're having a conversation here on checking in a lodging DEI chat. You can watch us every week on these same social media networks, and you can find us on your favorite podcast platform as well. We'll be right back to continue our conversation right after this short break. Renting is everything. It's style at your doorstep. Off the runway and into your closet. It's every trend you've been dying to try and every designer you've yet to discover. It's wearing it your way every time and making it count everywhere you go. It's never worrying about what to wear because something new is always coming your way. That's why renting is everything. New styles, top designers, all for a flat monthly fee. Start your subscription at renttherunway.com. Slow roasted over hickory fire and pulled by hand. This is the way pit pork has always been done. Pulled pork lovers, rejoice. The smoky old days are back at the smoke shack. Water. It's everywhere. We drink it, we bathe with it, we cook with it. Coffee's made with water. Toilets won't flush without it. It's used for washing clothes, dishes, utensils, pots, pans, floors, and our teeth. 
plants and crops need water, animals drink it, and fish need it too. And don't forget, we can have a lot of fun in the water. Water. What will we do without it? From the creative team that brought you The Browning Project and Dead by Morning comes a new thriller that will change the way you look at white-collar crime forever. Falling from the sky. Those ads that you just saw are all done in-house by members of the Leon Thomas group. The female voice you heard was that of Kelly Johnson, a voiceover artist who's also working part of the production team on today's show. And the male boy voice was that of Dion Hunter. So if you have a project that needs a video or voiceover, contact me, Leon Thomas. My email address is leonthetrainer at gmail.com. But also... If you would like to advertise right here on Checking In, a lodging DEI chat, we have an opportunity for you. Make sure you contact me or Miranda. We're here today with Dr. James Arthur Williams, a professor at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Dr. Williams, I want to talk about something that you brought up in one of your other one of the other areas of our conversation. That was career opportunities. Many folks just aren't aware of the number of careers, different disciplines that can be utilized in, in the hotel business. I, I went to a high school uh, last year and I wanted to talk about careers in the hospitality business. And they said, what do you mean careers in the, in the hotel business? What are you talking about? You're going to check them in, check them out, smile, clean or fix something. That's it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There are so many more opportunities. What do we need to do to get that message out to everyone, but particularly to minority students? How do we spread that message? That honestly, that is that is one of the toughest things I'm still trying to figure out. I think it starts um, it starts with really educating the parents. I think first and foremost, I think then we have to make sure that we're going into middle schools and high schools and talking to them about opportunities that extend beyond you know, working cashier or being a cook or, you know, working back at a house or working front desk or things of that nature, and then sort of juxtapose them compared to other careers they're thinking about. You know, if you're thinking about going into banking, you know, maybe you're looking at uh, being a branch manager. Well, let me show you how that connects to being a general manager of a hotel or maybe a general manager of a restaurant. Or we have opportunities in airports. We have opportunities if you like nightlife, entertainment. So really getting them to see that a lot of things that they actually associate with fun is all hospitality and tourism management and see that who do you think are the people that's actually running these companies? What are the amount of money that you think they make? Who are the presidents? Who are the owners? So I think it's going to take more education efforts, starting with their parents and then starting at a young age. It's going to have to be kind of how they did nursing. You know, I think I remember back in the 80s and 90s, nursing was not a popular career field and a lot of people didn't get paid a lot of money. But then the government had this initiative to really say, you know what, we're going to go out and do a marketing campaign for nursing. And then colleges was getting money in federal and all of these things. And now everybody's trying to get into nursing programs. And it's this popular career field. So I think we have to do a better job of really educating people and really showing them what it is that we have to offer. But it starts at a young age. 
Absolutely. Especially now more than ever, I'm hearing people say, you know, there are so many open positions. You can reach your career goal, goals so much faster. Um, so I, I think that's very exciting and certainly a, a positive spin on what we've all survived these past couple of years. Um, talk to me, Dr. Williams, about your industry experience. Specifically, I want to talk about representation in your experience. So for example, how many how many managers of color did you have when you were actually working in the industry? Honestly? Yep. Zero. Um, so, and, and I, I would start, well, I would say this. All right. So now when I worked at Golden Corral, none, everybody that was black worked back at the house. I, they weren't even waiters or waitresses. When I worked at McDonald's and Burger King, there were like uh, crew chiefs or whatever, but there was no managers. And then when I worked at Grand State Residential Suites, I was a supervisor, but there was no managers and there was no regional managers or anything of that nature. So there was a very small amount. And I would say for me, I, I'm just going to be honest. I didn't really know much about hospitality management and career opportunities until I actually pursued my Ph.D. in hospitality management. That's when I started really learning about a career. So I was already past a lot of my industry experience, but I decided to work in the hotel industry because I felt like I needed to understand hotels if I'm going to go into academia and teach on the subject matter. I didn't want to just use experiences from when I was in um, high school and things of that nature. But I honestly didn't know about it, a lot of the career opportunities until I actually got into this, this um, academia part of my life, I guess you should say. That's actually the perfect roll into my second question for you. So how many years did you go to school for your PhD? So for me, um, mine was a, was a little different. I, I went a, a different route. I worked on my doctorates from 2006 to 2010, but it's through University of Phoenix. But it's considered a for-profit institution. In order to be a researcher and teach at an R1 institution, you have to get your PhD from a traditional brick and mortar. So when I went back to school, I went to school 2010 and I graduated 2012 because at a time, Bob Bosterman was able to um, argue because I did a dissertation and I had these years um, in this first doctor's program. They took off a year of academic coursework. So it took me two years to get my PhD. But I think for most students, it's about three years that it would take them in a program that I went to at Iowa State. So how many total years of college did you put in? I put in 10 total. Total, total college. Um, Total 13, 13 okay. years. And in those 13 years, let me ask you, how many professors of color have you had? I had one guy, he was an African and um, he was very, very arrogant. So it was a very, very, the, the first day of class in our accounting class, he came in and said, you Americans are very lazy. I, I, I graduated from college at the age of 15 and I had my PhD before 24 and I was a vice president. Of and I was just like, wow. I want to like this guy, but he's so arrogant. So that was the only one that I actually had in my, my experience. Okay. Wow. Now ask me how many I've had. How many have you had? Zero. Wow. Go ahead, Liam. Wow. We've, that, that has to change. So if you, you, you just look at that, that series of, of conversation, not many in, in hospitality. When I worked in hotels, you're looking at the first black manager, first black general manager that, that I ever saw, right? Miranda in, in your academic career, Dr. Williams in yours, just just zero. 
we we have to change that. That needs to needs to change. When I was at a a college uh, sport management career summit um, last week, and even the the number of industry professionals in sports, there were only two there. Wow. And you think about careers in sports, careers in in hospitality. We've just got to do a better job of of getting the word out that there are solid career opportunities there, but also in in education, right? Um, we just need to need to do a better job at that. And what have you seen, Dr. Williams? And let's just say the last two years since there's been this heightened awareness um, that we need to make improvements in those areas. How many folks have contacted you to say, hey, can you help us? Or what have you seen improve even in the, the last two years since our industry's had this heightened awareness and a lot of talk about it? What have you seen happen? So honestly, limited interactions or conversations with me. We actually did a, a research study, my one of my colleagues and I, for a company around here about green spaces and trying to get more black individuals to want to be in some of these green spaces and engage in outdoor activities. So we did the research, but then they loved everything that we came out with, you know, to really market to more blacks and more low income individuals. But then they said, we have to shelf it because we had to deal with an issue that was, you know, with transgenders and due to the nature of the conservative nature here, we don't want to really ruffle any other feathers. So we're going to put that on a shelf for right now until people are less sensitive and we can come out with it. So that's what I see from that perspective. I think there's a lot of people that I think initially they, they sort of get a spark to say, let's move on it. But because they don't live it every day, it's kind of hard for them to really embrace it and understand why it's important. And I understand their perspective, but I think that's why it's imperative to really be intentional about hiring people with a, a, a different diverse perspective, make, whether, whether that's the ethnic group or their thought process or whatever, because if you don't have somebody on your team, you're not going to have somebody that's speaking that language and allowing you to see the blind spots and things that you don't see. So th that's what I, I've been saying. Not, not a lot of change, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and you're, I don't think you're the first guest who's, who's shared that with us. Leon, do I have time for one question or two? Uh, go with two. Okay, great. So James, I want to ask you first, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? Honestly, that's, that's a great question. And somebody asked me that before. I think ideally, because we think differently and we're more mature mentally, physically, spiritually, we'll say, hey, I would do this, but I wouldn't. I think what I would say, because I'm glad I went through everything I went through, I think I would say, hey, Try not to stress as much. Try not to be too suicidal because I promise you 20, 22 years from now, your life is going to be amazing. You're going to absolutely appreciate everything it is that you went through. And you're going to see how all of those things that you went through have made you the individual that you are today. So stand tall and continue to, to embrace it and go through it. And what an amazing individual you are. So the last question I have for you is please share with our audience all of the cool things that they can find your name on. For example, your book, which I think I have a signed copy right here next to me. I will say, so the things that I think um, I will share this real quick. Um, the first book I wrote is called From Thug to Scholar and Odyssey to Unmask My True Potential. It's talking about how we all wear masks. Mine was trying to mask myself to be this thug to appease this certain subculture. 
or people do it in relationships. They do it in jobs. They choose things just to try to appease or placate certain individuals, but it's not who they are. The other one was from flab to abs, changing my body, so a physical transformation. And then the last one was check your life, be limitless. What would life be if we live life with no social constructs or no labels, but we just connected with our spirits? How much more beautiful would that be? And then I did a TED talk called Check Your Life, uh, Be Limitless. And I would like to say this is the one thing that I say every day because I just want people to be inspired. When you wake up in the morning, find three things you like about yourself. I like to say I like my smile. I have the energy to go out and, 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 and create positive change. But I also my body feel good. And then once I do that, I say this every single day. Today is a glorious day. And for 86,400 seconds, I will give my excellence and my best until I'm laid to rest. I'm abundantly blessed and never stressed. Be better than your best and never, ever rest on your last success. Check your life. Be limitless. We're all limitless. So I want us to continue to do the things that people say that we can't do. Don't limit our thinking. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Williams, for that. And yes, don't don't limit. Don't limit yourself. Um, Now, I want to close with a conversation that we kind of had off screen before the show started. We were talking about food. (laughs) Right. We were talking about food. So kind of two phases to the question in Knoxville, Tennessee. Like if I visit there, what is the food? What do I have to eat in in Knoxville? I will say this, Leon. Look, I I used to be uh, food was my weakness. So that's why I'm so disciplined now. Right. We do have some great uh, fried chicken spots, uh, you know, to come to. We have uh, Gus's. um, We have nice bakeries. I'm, I'm a sweets guy. So that's what that's what my weakness is. But we have um, and then you have Pigeon Forge that is not too far. A lot of exciting things and cool things to do up there. Gatlinburg area. You know, it could be romantic, but it could also be something for the kids. And then it's just a plethora of food. So, yes, it's a reason why we're one of the heaviest populations, because we will feed you good here. We will feed you. So that's why you got big linemen in Tennessee, because you eat good. That's right. We eat good. Eat good. All right. Now, just a tip for you, Miranda, tip for you and everybody listening and watching. If you're somewhere and they're advertising a Maryland style crab cake, run away. (laughs) Don't don't do it. Come to Baltimore. I'll hook you up. I'll take you to some of the best places to eat. And you were eating uh, grilled chicken, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Dr. Williams, you were you were telling us that. And so when you mentioned uh, from flab to abs, I was thinking about, you know, the healthy food that you told us you were eating. And so how do we get in touch with you again? What's your what's your website for anyone that wants to learn more about you and get in touch with you? Can you tell us what that is, please? So my website is www.unmask.com ytp.com and that stands for unmask your true potential or you can email me at true success 32 at gmail.com and i would love to communicate and chat with all of you so thank you all right great dr williams thank you so much for being our guest here on checking in a lodging dei chat thank you so much for being here thank you and let's bring on our studio host orin stewart hey orin hey y'all what an amazing, amazing gentleman. A great conversation, great interview. You guys did a great job. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here at Checking In. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. Stay tuned for many, many more great episodes. Take care.